everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Luna's Galaxy podcast. My name is Emmy, but you can also call me Luna, and I'll be the host of this show. The Luna's Galaxy podcast goes live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast services on Tuesday every two weeks. For this episode, we have four segments, gaming news, what I've been playing, questions, and topic of the show. So for gaming news this week, uh, we don't have many things. <laughs> we do not have many things at all. It feels like literally nothing has been happening. At least nothing that is, like, personally interesting to me. Like, enough to talk about it. Um, there's actually... I didn't put this on the news segment, but I just remembered. There was a Nintendo Indie Direct. Uh, as of the time I'm recording this, I think it was two days ago. I didn't end up watching it. <laughs> I planned on it, but then I was playing Final Fantasy XIV... And I just, I just kind of forgot about it. So, whatever. <laughs> I don't really know much of what happened there. But anyway, uh, as for some gaming news that I kind of know a bit about. <laughs> uh, Gamescom Opening Night Live is set for August 25th. That is being hosted by Jeff Keighley. And I don't know much about what's going to be going down, but I did sign up to co-stream it. <laughs> um, I'm not 100% sure if I'll end up doing that yet, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll definitely be watching, even if I decide not to stream, I'll be live tweeting. But um, I'm looking forward to that. I have literally no expectations. I'm just I'm just there for the hell of it. Uh, I, I'm just going to be there. Like, I have no big, like, predictions. I'm just, I'm here. And I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Hopefully I'm going to enjoy it. But uh, I think if I'm streaming it on Twitch and like talking with you guys, I'll enjoy it. Regardless of if there are any big announcements. And if there are any big announcements that will get me hyped, then that'll just be the icing on the cake. Because really, I just want to vibe. I just want to vibe. I just want to enjoy myself. Because at that point, I'll be done of my summer job that I've been working. And so it feels like a little reward to myself, you know? It feels like, oh, you've worked so hard this summer here watch Gamescom opening night live and I don't I don't know if I've ever actually watched um an opening night live before because I think uh Jeff Keighley's been doing it for a few years now but I don't know if I've ever watched it so uh I don't know what to expect like I think that's another reason why I don't have any predictions is I just don't know on what scale these announcements are going to be so yeah August 25th <laughs> but my only other Gaming news this week, if you want to call it gaming news, it's more so uh, Twitch gaming industry news, I guess, I don't know. Um, but recently, there's been a hashtag going around on Twitter called Twitch Do Better, and I figured I should talk about it, because I'm a Twitch streamer, and also it's very important. So basically, uh, there's this hashtag been going around called hashtag Twitch Do Better. Um, it was started by a lot of marginalized creators, so POC, um, gay people, LGBT community, um, I think that's it, I don't know. <laughs> just marginalized people and the big reason for this is there's a lot of problems on twitch <laughs> like if you are a part of the twitch community if you're a streamer or just a viewer um you might be familiar with some of it um it does affect marginalized people more so than non-marginalized people so of course that sucks but uh, this stuff really shouldn't be happening to anyone but uh some of the big issues are hate raids so I've never understood the purpose of hate raiding someone, because, like, to me as a Twitch streamer, raids should be about, you know, sharing your community with someone whose content you enjoy, you know, giving your community a safe space to be in, and just spreading the love. Like, to me, that's what a raid is. You're like, oh, 
have fun with this person's stream because I also like this person and I think that you guys would also enjoy them. And, and you know, just, just spreading the goodwill to people. Um, so I don't, under, I don't even understand why you'd want to hate raid someone. It's just so disgusting, but it happens so much. I always see on Twitter these marginalized creators having to deal with hate raids, and I'm just like, how can you be so gross? <laughs> like, I, I don't get it, but that's been happening a lot, um, and Twitch doesn't do anything about it a lot of the time, so please help. Like, Twitch do better. Like, that's literally, that's literally what is happening. Um... There's also people getting follow-botted. I, I was follow-botted once. Luckily, it wasn't too, too bad, but it still sucks. And a lot of these hate raids or follow-botting is often targeted at marginalized creators, which fucking sucks. Um, another thing is, for those of you, maybe even not a streamer, you wouldn't know this unless you're, like, you watch a lot of streamers and you've heard them talk about it, but... Uh, streamers only get about 50% of the money they make off of Twitch. So, uh, if you want to sub to a channel on Twitch, it is about five US dollars. And the streamer, you know, you would like to believe that, you know, that five dollars <laughs> is going to the streamer that you're watching. Because, you know, you want to financially support them. Uh, that's why people sub. They want to support their favorite creators, maybe get some cool emotes. You know how it is. But... Twitch creators, Twitch streamers only get 50% of that, so we get $2.50 out of that $5. And, you know, it gets even more wild when, you know, say you gift, like, 100 subs. I can't even, I can't think of what price that is off the top of my head, but uh, say it's, like, $500. I don't know. Uh, that might be dramatic, but I could also be right, because every now and then I think about buying bits to support uh, some of my favorite streamers, but they're just so expensive, and I know that only a small portion of that is actually going to the creator, so then I'm like, eh, never mind. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, say you gifted someone 100 subs, and that cost you $500. Um, the streamer's only getting, getting $250, which is still a lot, obviously, <laughs> but, like, that is a huge difference. And so now a lot of people are... This is actually more recently. I've seen some more people switching over and encouraging their viewers to, you know, donate from PayPal more, which is still, um, I think PayPal recently changed the percentage that they take. So, like, that's even not that great anymore. But um, people are also making, like, Fan House, Patreon, uh, Coffee. There's a lot of things that people are trying to do to make more money and encourage people to sub off of Twitch because a lot of your money is going to Twitch and not the streamer. Which, you know... Like, it's good if you want the emotes. Like, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, I completely understand that. But, um, yeah, it, it just sucks that... Because I feel like a lot of people don't know about this. I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people don't know uh, how much money Twitch takes from us. <laughs> so, uh, that has been an issue. I feel like there was more, but I can't remember. I mean, just other things, like... You can say slurs in a Twitch chat, and it's fine. I think there might be some words that are, like, universally banned, but, like, not many. Um, so, like, if you don't want someone to say a slur in your chat, you basically have to, like, go into, like, your cloud bot or whatever you use and, like, manually type them in, which is, like, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to manually type in words that people shouldn't be able to say in chat when they're slurs. <laughs> like, I, anyway. So that's fun. Usernames, like, you can basically have very 
sexual usernames, very uncomfortable usernames, and it's just like, really? Like, I, I like Twitch, I like streaming, I like the community that I built on there, I like other people's communities, um, it's a good time, but at the same time it's a bad time, because Twitch just does not do much for us, it feels like. Um, like, Twitch is owned by Amazon, so it's like, y'all really are trying to convince me that y'all can't give me more than 50% of the money I make <laughs> that I bring to your platform, uh, so that sucks. But yeah, also, hate raids are terrible. It's, it's a fun time being a Twitch streamer, just harassment all around, <laughs> and a lot of times Twitch doesn't do much about it. And then they take 50% of your money, so, Yeah. But that's really all I have for gaming news this week. Like, there really has not been much going on. <laughs> like, I've been waiting all week. I've been like, is something going to happen that, like, I can actually talk about on the podcast? And it just hasn't. So maybe tomorrow, uh, maybe tomorrow or, like, Sunday, you know, when I've already recorded the podcast, uh, but I just haven't edited it and put it out yet. Maybe then something will come out. And then, you know, by the time the podcast is posted, this will be outdated and there will be some big news because uh, that happens. But yeah, <laughs> I'm recording this on a Friday and the podcast doesn't go up until Tuesday, so I'm sure there'll be some big announcement in between that we could have covered, but whatever. Just just forget about it. Moving on, let's talk about what I've been playing. So I actually have quite a few games here. I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen again. Uh, I'm actually almost finished A Realm Reborn. I think I only have like two more uh, Dungeons raids to do. So that's very, very exciting. Like, I'm level 50. I've, I've been playing as a summoner. Uh, and I'm almost done. So that's very exciting. I'm really excited to get on to Heavensward. I'm enjoying myself. And I know that this is only the beginning. So I'm like, I know I'm going to get more sucked in. Like, will I be able to finish Shadowbringers by the time Endwalker comes out? Probably not. Because I actually, I actually don't know how long, like, Heavensward... And, like, all the expansions are, if they're, like, as long as A Realm Reborn, a bit shorter, a bit longer, I have no idea. So, it's hard for me to, like, kind of plan that out right now in my head of, like, will I be able to do this? Um, yeah, I really don't know. Also, I meant to mention this at the beginning of the episode, but this is probably going to be a bit of a shorter episode. I'm, like, kind of trying to drag things out a bit because, um, there's just not much to talk about. Uh, but whatever. I think last episode was really long, so this will make up for it. It's like, it's like, uh, that pedmas, bedmas, I don't know, that, like, math thing where you, like, cancel each other out. It's like that. It's fine. I also started playing Mario Sunshine. Uh, this was, like, last week. I was out camping, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna play some Mario Sunshine because, uh, I remember, I think it was the, no, it was the second podcast. Uh, I asked you guys what games you associate with summer, and a few people said Mario Sunshine, so I was like, you know what? I've been meaning to give this a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. And, like, I <laughs> I thought I'd enjoy it more than I did. And, like, to be fair, I, did, I don't think I got very far in it. Um, but it, it was just... I, I realized, actually, while playing it, that I am a victim of Joy-Con drift. Because, like, I'd just be playing and my thumb wouldn't even be on the joystick. And Mario would just, like, run off a platform and, like, kill himself. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, platformers are not a good game when you have Joy-Con drift. So, that definitely affected my experience. But other than that, um, I think the biggest sort of problem I had 
was just the fact that they are lives, which might seem kind of dumb because I know so many games, especially older games, you know, it's like you have five lives, you die, then you have to go back to a save point or whatever. Um, but after playing Mario Odyssey, it just feels, it feels bad. And like Crash 4 as well, where you have, like, they didn't have a live system there either. It was just like, you know, you'd go back to the checkpoint, you could die however many times you fucking wanted, and you just get sent back and, you know, figure it out at your own pace, basically. And I think my biggest problem with Mario Sunshine playing it was that because there are lives, I would get so far in a level, and then I would die, like, four times. Uh, like, I only have, like, four lives. And, like, trying to get the hang of what I'm supposed to do, and i die. And, you know, maybe I'm just bad at platformers. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, I died and it was so annoying because instead of getting sent back to a checkpoint at the beginning of, like, that thing that I was trying to do, I'd get either sent back way in, like, the Delfino Plaza part of the, like, where, I don't know. I don't know how to explain. Delfino Plaza, I think, is what it's called. I could be wrong. But, like, the town square area of Mario Sunshine. I'd either get thrown back there or I'd get thrown at the very beginning of like, that kind of, like, world, I get. I don't know how to explain this, I don't know what the correct terminology is, but, um, yeah, that was very annoying, because I would just be getting, like, the hang of it, and then I'd fucking die, and then I'd get thrown back so far that I'd just be so frustrated that I didn't want to fucking do it anymore, and so I wasn't enjoying that, like, I wanted to relax that weekend, but then playing Mirror Sunshine, I did not feel relaxed at all, I just felt stressed out, because I kept fucking dying, and, like, Joy-Con drift. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those things where I'm, like, I don't want to say it's a bad game. Because, like, I don't think it is. But I don't, like, is it a me problem? Or is it a problem with the game? Um, I don't know. I just, I, like, like, I don't know if any other Mario, like, 3D Mario game is going to be better than Odyssey for me. Uh, I still have yet to play Galaxy. But, um, Yeah. Just having lives and being sent so far back and getting so frustrated was so annoying. And, like, I love Mario Odyssey so much because it does not have that problem. And, you know, maybe... I understand why people might like Sunshine more. Uh, you know, maybe the, the challenge, but I don't like the challenge. <laughs> I find it annoying and frustrating. So, that's my perspective on Mario Sunshine. I don't plan on going back to it. Uh, the next Mario game I play will probably be Galaxy, and I don't know when I'm going to get to that. But uh, I've also started Near Replicant. That has been our new stream game. And it's, okay, I think the weirdest thing is Kaine. Like, her model is so different. Because I played Near Gestalt. Uh, I mean, I didn't finish it. I did not get very far in it, but I did start playing Near Gestalt a few years ago. And Kaine looks so different in that game than she does in Replicant, and it is just throwing me off so much. Um, and it's not bad, it's just like a very different aesthetic, and I don't know how I feel about it, but hopefully I'll get used to it. Um, I love her voice acting as always, thank you, Laura Bailey. Um, but also like the gameplay's fun, you know, it's basically the same as Gestalt, uh, just a bit more like cleaner. There's something else I wanted to say about Near Replicant, and now I don't remember what it was. I guess we'll move on then. I also played Clean Slate, which is actually our topic of the show. Uh, Clean Slate is an indie game. Uh, 
but I'll tell you more about that later because that's our topic of the show. So I'll save that. But I played some clean slate. It was, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. We'll just wait till later. And I finally got to play more DDR. <laughs> uh, Dance Dance Revolution Extreme 2. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution Extreme 2. Uh, the ultimate DDR game, if you ask me. I haven't played it in so long because I've been so, like, tired from work. <laughs> Like, working 40 hours a week, I just have not had the time or energy to play a lot of it. But I finally did at some point last week, and it just felt very good, so I thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, please, please, Konami, make a new DDR game. But anyway, let's get on to the questions segment for this week. So, uh, this week's question was kind of like the opposite of last week's question. thought I'd spice it up a bit. So, the question was, what was a game you weren't sure if you'd even like? ended up exceeding your expectations is it one of your favorite games now uh so last week the question was what was a game you're really excited for that disappointed you and it's kind of the opposite of that it you know like what was a game you had like no expectations going into you had no idea if you were gonna like it uh that you really ended up liking and kind of took you by surprise so some of our answers here so uh Cordy kazam in the discord said i mean my answer would probably be 999 uh, going in, I heard lots of wonderful things about the story, but I like linearity, so hearing it as branching paths and choices that impact the story, uh, I wasn't too hyped about it, but actually playing and seeing how the alternate paths merge together and how it impacts the story turned uh, what was originally a negative into a surprising strength. Announce one of my fave games. Hell yeah, we love 999 here. <laughs> um, when I played 999, I'm like... I was kind of in a similar boat, but also not really, because I'd played Danganronpa um, before, or, like, I watched it. I don't know. I don't think I, it was actually localized by then. <laughs> but, like, I had been a fan of Danganronpa before I'd played 999, and I was just, like, looking at other Spike Chunsoft games because I was trying to find more games like that. And I came across 999, but I was like, eh, it seems interesting, but I never, like, picked it up. And then uh, one time I was at EB Games, they had a used copy of 999, and I was like, ooh, I remember seeing this. Like, this looks cool. I might like this. And so I bought it. And actually, I remember uh, the cashier was like, oh, that's a really good game. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> Which, like, looking back on it, I'm like, damn, what a nice cashier. What good taste. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't have many expectations going into it. Like, I hadn't done a lot of research. Like, I feel like I do that now. Like, if I want to play a game, I need to know, like, a certain amount about it. Um, you know, you just hear other people talk about it, but I didn't know much about 999. Uh, so, like, I did have some expectations, but, like, it just blew them away. <laughs> um, Cordy Kazam also said, in non-Z-related answers, Animal Crossing New Leaf. I tried Wild World before and was not a fan. After New Leaf released and seeing everyone rave about it, I decided to give the series a chance again and ended up adoring it. So many fond memories with it. I wish New Horizons lived up to it. And I, I the first, uh... Animal Crossing game that I played was Wild World, and I loved it. I was I was pretty young. <laughs> I was, like, a baby. Um, and I would just, like, talk to my villagers constantly. Like, I think it was Rosie, uh, the cat. And I would just, like, talk to her constantly. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's my wild, Animal Crossing Wild World memories is just, like, harassing my villagers. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's interesting. I... I think, you know, last last week's question about games that were disappointing, I feel like, is where New Horizons would fall into. 
Um, I really like New Leaf too, but I also wish the New Horizons lived up to it. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, like, I almost wish they would just port New Leaf to Switch. <laughs> but uh, I, I doubt they would do that, considering uh, New Horizons is still going to be getting updates for a while. Uh, but anyway, Oblivion said Yakuza 0, and Trenton in the Discord also said Yakuza like a dragon. And uh, I, I think these are interesting because, you know, similarly, I think I didn't have many expectations going into Yakuza 0. Um, I just heard from other people that it was good. It seemed like something I'd like. Um, blew me away, blew me away. But as for Yakuza Like a Dragon, I still haven't played that. And even though I know that I love the Yakuza series, um, I'm very curious to see, because I know Like a Dragon uh, switches up the gameplay a lot. It's more like a turn-based JRPG from what I've heard. Uh, it's less of the action combat that is in the other games. And so, like, I'm sure I'll like it because I like turn-based, but it feels very weird, so, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll be, like, pleasantly surprised, but I do... I do like the combat of the other Yakuza games, so I don't know, maybe maybe that'll be something that blows me away when I play Yakuza Like a Dragon. And then um, Matt in the Discord also said uh, Persona 5, which I feel like a lot of people, actually, because Persona 5 was a lot of people's first Persona, and I, I think it, it blew a lot of people away. <laughs> you know, it was one of those games where, like, you just heard, like, the weebs talking about it, I guess. Uh, and, you know, saying how good it was, but then, you know, I think as more people played it that, you know, maybe aren't the biggest fans of that genre, um, they were like, oh shit, like, I have to, like, pay attention to this. <laughs> so, definitely cool. Uh, that was kind of, kind of my experience with Persona 4 as well, because uh, that was the first Persona game that I played. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, so, Tolly Zoo said an oddball choice. I heard Devil's Third was the worst game on the Wii U, and since I was one of the three people who bought the system, I had to see it for myself. The game was just odd enough, self-absorbed enough, and aggressively mediocre while aspiring to greatness that it was an absolute blast to play and cringe at. Definitely so bad it's good. <laughs> and I like this answer. I don't know much about- I don't really know anything about this game, actually. But I just wanted to say it because, you know, I don't think games have to be good for you to enjoy them. I think a lot of the time, uh, especially in more recent years, you kind of get this idea of, like, game has to be like objectively good like if you're gonna say you liked a game it has to be objectively good like the mechanics the story the blah blah it's like shut up like sometimes bad games are good and my favorite example of this is crash tag team racing um <laughs> a lot of people in the crash fandom do not like that game i don't know any other person that likes crash tag team racing at least not as much as I do. And, like, I don't know why, because to me it's so much fun. I really like that game. Like, I don't know, maybe the platforming isn't the best in comparison to other Crash games. And, like, the racing is kind of boring if you're just going to be doing it for the racing. But, like, when uh, you combine with the other cars and, like, you're the one shooting and not driving, it is so much fun. <laughs> it's just a fun game. Like, games don't have to be good to be fun and to enjoy them. And so I thought that, that was a cool answer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, at WJamesMCI on Twitter said, I'm actually going to answer this with Hades. I never played a roguelike before and was nervous going in. Luckily, everything about the game shone through and totally won me over to the point that I named it my game of the year last year. And, uh, I haven't played Hades yet, but it has definitely caught my eye because I know a lot of people really liked it last year. Um, but here's the thing. I've never played a game in, like, it's the roguelike genre. 
I've never played a game like that. So, like, it's one of those games I'd have to take a risk on, you know? Because it's like, I could love this and, you know, find a whole new genre that I like. Or (laughs) I could play it and be like, oh, this isn't for me. And it's risky when you have not played a game in a certain genre before. But I don't know. Maybe I'll eventually take the risk because I know that was a really good one. It seems like roguelikes are becoming more popular, I guess. Uh, Because I think Returnal is also a roguelike. And, uh, there's a new game that came out. I don't know if it's a roguelike, but, uh, what's it called? I don't know. It starts with a D, but a lot of people have been talking about it. I think it's on Xbox Game Pass. Um, I think it's a roguelike. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I don't know if it is. I think it is, though. Um, so definitely a genre where I'm, like, I'm scared, but also interested. Uh, at the Zero Arcana said Stardew Valley for me. I picked it up after seeing a few streams and still not expecting much. Now I think about it at least three times a day while shilling it to everyone I can. I played a bit of Stardew Valley on stream. I, I think my problem with Stardew Valley is that I played it on PC. I got it on PC and not Switch um, because I'm not a PC gamer. And so like my experience playing Stardew Valley was very much kind of uncomfortable because of just like the positioning of like using a keyboard and like sitting in a chair I know it sounds really dumb but usually I like like, play games either laying down or like just sitting on my bed I'm not like in a chair and like hunched over I guess I don't know so I think that kind of ruined my experience with Stardew Valley a bit so I don't know I might eventually buy it on Switch but at the same time I'm like I already have it on PC so I don't know I don't know and then at at, oh god (laughs) I'm sorry if I butcher this username uh at C Gerotapia I probably said that wrong, (laughs) Uh, said Bloodborne. I was not sure about buying it because when I was younger, I was kind of afraid to buy games I would probably never finish, but I gave it a try. It took me some time, yes, but I got really uh, impressed for it. Even got the DLC, and I'm proud to have beat it more than three times. That's another game, kind of like Hades, where I haven't really played a game in that genre before. I don't really know what the genre would be, but like those, I guess, Souls-like games that are supposed to be like really hard. Um, I haven't played any of those games before, and it's like, I could really like it, because, like, I know a lot of people that do, <laughs> but it's a risk. <laughs> so it's literally just the same thing as my thoughts on Hades, where I, it'd be risky, which, you know, I could end up really liking, but I could also not. So, yeah. <laughs> but my personal answer, uh, to this week's question would probably be Breath of the Wild, um, I had only played Ocarina of Time. That was the only other Zelda game that I played in the past, and I never finished it. Um, I, I don't think I got very far in it. But, like, I could appreciate that it was a good game, but it, like, didn't pull me in. It just didn't click with me, I guess. And so I kind of started to think that maybe just the Legend of Zelda series was not for me. Um, and maybe it still is. I don't know. Maybe Breath of the Wild is the outlier in that. Because even now, the only games that I played in the series are Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild. Um, so, like, going into Breath of the Wild, I really didn't know what to expect. The only reason I got it was really because I knew how other people felt about it. Um, I knew that other people really fucking love that game. <laughs> I know it was Game of the Year 2017 at the Game Awards, so, like, I should probably buy it. You know, just give it another shot. And so I did. And at first, like, that first, like, hour of playing it, I was kind of like... I don't like this did I just waste all my money but uh, once the world kind of 
opens up and you start seeing like the different towns and the different people and you know there's just so much to that game uh it's now i don't know if i would say one of my favorite games but like it's up there um so yeah that really blew me away and i'm looking forward to the sequel <laughs> i don't know i might give other zelda games a shot at some point i think my problem is just that they're so expensive like skyward sword i know recently came out and i was thinking about giving it a shot but i just i don't have the money to spend on something that i'm not sure i'm going to like love uh especially considering that you know ocarina of time didn't pull me in and i i, like, I could be making assumptions here but I'm going to assume that Skyward Sword is more similar to Ocarina of Time than it is to Breath of the Wild. Because the thing I liked about Breath of the Wild wasn't, like, the story or... I mean, kind of the gameplay, but it was just the exploration of it all that was my favorite part of that game. And I don't know if the other Zelda games are kind of similar in that way. Uh, but yeah, because the gameplay was never a big thing for me. Like, it was okay, it was fine, it was good, I guess. But it, it wasn't why I was playing the game, it was just to explore, so... Yeah, but Breath of the Wild really blew me away. So that's my answer to that question. Anyway. <laughs> As for the topic of the show, let's talk about Clean Slate. So, for those of you that don't know, I'm sure that is many of you, Clean Slate is a very, very new game. Uh, I think it is being released today as the time that I'm recording this. Um, but it should be out when the podcast comes out, if it is not up right now. So, Clean Slate is an indie game. Uh, developed by Mariano Jar, I'm so sorry if I said that wrong, and published by Time Ajar, and it is their first ever game, which is really, really cool. Um, it is inspired by Zeroscape, and so, you know, to be fully transparent, uh, the developers, developer, developers, I don't know, um, reached out to Operation Bluebird. For those of you who don't know, I'm a part of Operation Bluebird. Um, we are a Zeroscape page. Keeping you up to date on all Zeroscape things, uh, Uchikoshi things, <laughs> and even some other visual novel things. And so they reached out to us because the game is inspired by Zeroscape. And uh, they reached out to us to review the game. And so I was like, hell yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> and so I got to play the game early, which is really cool. And this is my review. So, uh, oh yes, I should also say that it doesn't feel like a Zeroscape ripoff rip at all. It is inspired by Zeroscape, and going into it, I was kind of worried. <laughs> Because just from some of the pictures I've seen, uh, like, there are, like, numbered doors. And they are very different uh, in aesthetic than the ones in 999. Like, but they almost reminded me of, like, VLR. So uh, I was kind of, like, skeptical. I was like, I hope this isn't just, like, not a ripoff of Zero Escape, but, like, very blatantly uh, using some of those elements. And it's not, it's not like that at all. Um, it definitely has some similarities. There are escape rooms, but even the escape rooms, like, in structure are very different than the ones in, uh, Zero Escape. Um, and there are branching timelines, but that's pretty much it. Uh, it is very much its own thing, which I enjoyed. So, yeah. So, because I'm sure a lot of you don't know much about this game, I'm just gonna read off the Steam description here. So, it is a suspense visual novel filled to the brim with life or death situations, puzzles, and six different endings. Make your own decisions, solve riddles, and reach the truth about the disappearance of the world's leading geneticist and your best friend. So, basically, uh, we play as this guy named Brendan. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I always get confused because I have a, I have a childhood friend uh, named Brendan, but it's like D-E-N. So, like, I always think when I see Brendan, like, that's 
where my mind goes. But then when people spell it with like a D-A-N at the end, I'm like, is it Brendan? But then like my mind doesn't know how to say that. So I don't know. I think it's Brendan. <laughs> anyway, uh, we follow this guy named Brendan and he is asked to basically, there's like a mystery, I guess. Uh, his best friend has sort of gone missing. Uh, they think he's trapped in his lab and he has to investigate. And once they get down to the lab, um, there's these doors uh, that they have to open in order to get the code for like the big door. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the premise of it all. And you run into a few other people um, that are also investigating when you get there. So uh, there's Luna uh, and Sam. Those are the other two characters. The other two main characters. Um, it's a pretty interesting premise. And, like, it, it gets... There's some cool stuff in there. <laughs> um, but I want to talk a bit about the puzzles because, you know, a lot of times when I was playing Zero Escape, uh, not so much 999, but both VLR and ZTD, there are a few puzzles in that game where I was just like, these are so difficult. <laughs> like, it, it just, it was not working with my brain. And I didn't really run into that problem with this game. Uh, the puzzles, for myself personally, felt like the perfect amount of challenging, uh, which was really, really good. You know, it wasn't like it was too easy. It wasn't like I was just like, oh, this is like a joke. But it also wasn't so, like, infuriating and frustrating <laughs> and annoying that I was getting, you know, upset or... Because here's the thing. When I play Zero Escape, I just look it up. I just look up a lot of the answers if I run into problems. But, you know, when you have a review code for a game and no one else has played it before, like very few people have played it before, um, I had to do a lot of it myself. <laughs> but really, most of the puzzles didn't give me much of a problem. Um, and there were some puzzles that were actually really cool. So... Uh, the, there's four different rooms that you can go in, four different escape rooms, and they all have, like, different themes around science. So, like, one of them is themed around genetics, another one is themed on colors, uh, there's one on chemistry, uh, I'm trying to remember what the other one was, but there's another one, and they're all themed around different things in science, and, like, again, going into that, uh, when the developer was kind of telling us a bit about it, I was like, oh, God. I feel like this is going to be really hard because I don't know much about science other than, like, high school science, and that was years ago. <laughs> so I was kind of worried. But I really don't need to know much about science to do good at this. Um, even the ones where, like, my previous school experience helped me a bit, um, they do a good job of explaining what to do, and you don't have to be good at science in order to be good at this game, so that was cool. But there was two puzzles that I thought were cool. Um, and the first one was, uh, there's a genetics puzzle, and I thought this was cool because it was, like, I did these exact same things in school, in, like, grade 12 biology, uh, when we were learning about genetics and, like, genotypes and phenotypes and alleles. Um, there was a puzzle themed around that, and I think that was my favorite, just because it was, like, like, you know how sometimes when you're doing, like, math, for example, and it can almost be fun. It's, like, almost fun. Like, I hate to say it, but, like, if you know what you're doing with math and it's, like, not too easy, but it's also, like, not making you want to, like, blow your brains out, you can kind of get into it. And that's how I felt doing that puzzle. <laughs> so, shout out to that. And also, um, there's actually a colorblind accessibility option, which I thought was really cool because um, both the genetics puzzle 
in the colors puzzle. There's, there's uh, literally, uh, I can't remember what door it is, one of the doors is themed around having colored puzzles. And there's a colorblind accessibility option, which is really cool because, you know, it is kind of important to the game. And so I just thought I'd throw that out there because we love accessibility options here. So, yeah. And also another thing I noticed was that if you are sort of struggling with the puzzles a bit, um, there are some hints that it will give you. And that definitely helps a lot uh, just to get shit done. So, yeah. And uh, the other puzzle I wanted to talk about was the color one. So... I really just want to talk about this because it reminded me a bit about VLR. <laughs> so uh, there's one puzzle where they have sort of like a color wheel. I don't know if that's uh, the correct word. But you know how in VLR they have the different color bracelets? Um, it's like cyan, yellow, and pink. Um, in the colors puzzle, there's one where you have to like combine colors to like get a certain color, I guess. And I feel like the only reason, I mean not the only reason because it is kind of easy. But one thing that reminded me of and that made me sort of know what to do was uh, VLR. There's, towards the ending, there's a part where they're combining, like, different color bracelets. And they're like, oh, we have to get into, like, a white door. How the hell do we do that? And, uh, yeah. Uh, if you know VLR, you probably have an idea of what I'm talking about. I'm doing a very bad job of explaining it. But, um, yeah, that reminded me of VLR. So I thought I'd throw it out there. Uh... But anyway, let's talk a bit more about not just the gameplay in this game, but the story and the characters and stuff. So, when I first started the game, to be completely honest, I was not a big fan of the main character. Uh, I thought he seemed a bit angry. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, I think a lot of it came from, you know, when you're playing as a main character, you almost want to see yourself in them. And I could not see myself in him at all, which is not, like the fault of the character. It just, like, it didn't resonate much with me playing as, uh, this older, middle-aged man. <laughs> um, and, like, he seemed a bit sort of angry and, I don't know, it, it didn't resonate with me. But as the game went on, I, I started to enjoy myself a bit more. You know, you start to see his perspective a bit more, uh, why he is the way he is, and, you know, I didn't hate him by the end. Like, I was kind of worried I was going to. Uh, he, he was okay. Uh, and also, uh, there's another character that gets introduced kind of early on. I think her name is Sally. Yeah, and she's just basically, like, giving you the okay to go and investigate uh, your friend's lab. Uh, and then she doesn't stick around very long. So she wasn't my favorite character either. But then once you actually get into the lab, you meet these other two characters, Luna and Sam. And I liked them. I thought those two were the best characters in this game. Uh, surprise, surprise, I liked the character named Luna. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was pretty cool. Uh, she smokes a lot of cigarettes. Like, a lot. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that, was, that was the notable thing about Luna. But uh, they're pretty good characters. And I think, I think one thing I liked about the characters is that, you know, it's not like anyone is sort of, uh, like, morally black or white. Like, there's, like, there's a lot of morally gray things in this game, if that makes sense. It's never, like, there's much of a clear-cut villain or, you know, a clear-cut, like, oh, I'm the good guy, I'm doing everything right. Um, everyone, like, they feel kind of like real people is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, there's no one 
that is outwardly very bad. And here's the other thing with different timelines as well, is that you can be in one timeline and, like, really fucking hate a character for what they've done, but then you go to another timeline and they're kind of, like, on your side in that timeline and they're being a bit nicer and maybe you get to know a bit more of their backstory and, you know, why they're acting the way they did in other timelines. That's another cool thing, um, is... That the characters act a bit different in different timelines depending on what has happened. And it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool getting to know them a bit more. Because there was one character I thought for sure I wasn't going to like. Um, but then uh, playing one of the other timelines, I was like, okay, you're kind of cool. Like, I can vibe with you. So that was interesting. Uh, but the story, the story itself, you know, this is a visual novel. Um, the story is pretty important. I'd say. <laughs> um, and the story is really solid. You know, for someone's first game, I think that this is really good. Um, it didn't feel like there was many risks, if I can say that. Um, which is okay. It felt... And maybe it's just that the story was very solid that it felt that way. <laughs> like, there's really good foreshadowing in this game. I think that is one of the things that this game does best is that it never feels like there's a twist that is completely out of left field. Because, you know, sometimes you're playing a game and you're like, where the fuck did this come from? Um, you know, because even if there is foreshadowing, it feels like it's not done very well or that it's, like, so subtle that you, like, never pick up on it. But um, there's some good foreshadowing in this game. So, you know, any of the sort of plot twists that happened weren't exactly you know, like, mind-blowing, but they felt like I was piecing it together as I went along, which is a good thing. Um, it is a very good thing when you can predict what is going to happen, but also not know all of what's going to happen. And I think this game did a good job of balancing that. Uh, similarly, similarly <laughs> there weren't, like, any, you know, that I noticed, any, like, big plot holes because, you know, I think a lot of the times when you are dealing with games that have branching pads, it can be very easy to get some plot holes or, you know, to finish the game feeling very fucking confused because you just played, like, six different timelines and, you know, trying to piece it all together can be kind of difficult. But I didn't really run into that with this game. It was very easy to put everything together. Um, in my notes, I have feels comprehensive. And I think that's a good way to describe it. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny because I'm thinking about the comprehensive and woke tweet. But anyway... Uh, yeah, it feels very comprehensive. It feels, it feels good. It's a good story. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't blow my mind or anything, but I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, the game runs at about five hours. I think I finished at like five hours, 30 minutes. So, you know, between five and six hours you can play this game. And I like played it in one sitting. <laughs> and it's been a while since I played a game for over five hours at a time. So take that how you will. Uh, I really want to, I was really invested. I wanted to finish the story. I wanted to put time into it. And so, uh, I, I really enjoyed myself. I wanted to know what happened. Um, there was one point where I was like, I feel like I should probably take a break because I've been playing for like, you know, four hours. <laughs> but I was like, no, I want to finish it. And so I kept going. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was interesting. Uh, let me see what else I have in my notes. So yeah, my main critique about this game is that the story, you know, the story is very intriguing, is very interesting, but I felt like I wanted a bit more out of it. Like, whether that would be just like an hour more of the game, because 
there are multiple endings in this game, and I'm not going to spoil anything. But there are multiple endings in the game, but it felt like there wasn't any true ending, which, you know, out of, maybe this is just a me problem, because to be fair, I have not played, I don't think I have anyway, I played many games that have like a bunch of different uh, branching timelines. Like, the only ones that really come to mind are Uchikoshi games, and that is, you know, they're Uchikoshi things. Um, so I'm not sure about like other games in the genre, um, you know, that do branching timelines, if there is always a definitive true ending. Um, or if that's just, like, an Uchi thing. But that was one thing that stood out to me, was that there are about six endings, but none of them feel like a true ending. Because I was kind of expecting it to be, like, I would get those six endings or, you know, five endings, and then there would be a new path or a new something that would unlock. And that would be the ending. And I, there could have been... <laughs> Because I did kind of just search for the last ending. But anyway, it just, I felt like I wanted a bit more out of it. And, you know, to go any deeper than that would probably be uh, spoilery. So I won't. But yeah, I think I just wanted a bit more out of it. And, you know, the next game that this developer publishes, I'll, bu I'll buy it. I'll play it. Because um, I did enjoy myself. And... You know, this is only their first game, and I thought it was good. So, who's to say that their next game is, like, can't be better? I think it is going to be better, and I'm excited for it. I want to see what they can do next, because I see a lot of potential in them. So, yeah, um, Clean Slate should be out now <laughs> on Steam. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a giveaway for it, actually, on Operation Bluebird. Um, so that should be up by the time that this episode is posted. Um, if you want to play Clean Slate yourself... Uh, go check that out, Operation Bluebird, on Facebook. We're going to be giving away a code for the game. So, yeah. Very, very exciting. If you are all interested, go check that out. Go like the post, comment, share. Uh, and, yeah, you could you play Clean Slate, but uh, I think... <sighs> I can't remember how much it's going to be. <laughs> um, it is. It will be on Steam for about a $10 to $15 <laughs> uh, US dollars, I believe. So, you know, if you're, if you're interested, if I have intrigued you, if you want to check it out, uh, yeah, that's how you do it, and we're going to be giving it away, so, hell yeah. <laughs> but if you're listening to this after a certain amount of time, the giveaway might be over, but, yeah. If you're listening to this when the episode comes out, uh, you're good. Go check it out. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Luna's Galaxy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like comment, and subscribe on YouTube, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me out very, very much. Thank you. Please do that. <laughs> I'll be back on Tuesday, August 30th for the next episode, where we'll be discussing who knows what. And actually, that, that'll be after Gamescom opening night live, so if anything did happen there, then we'll talk about it next episode. <laughs> if you want to be a part of the Luna's Galaxy community, you can join our Discord server. Uh, the link is in the description. You can also keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch, where I am at Games. And I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye!